I passed through a situation that I just can't explain. I'm a police officer from Brazil. During a riot last year in a penitentiary, almost 30 inmates were killed. This year I went to there to solve court bureaucratic proceedings. When I was talking to the director of the penitentiary, he commented about something weird caught by surveillance camera and show me the video with some discomfort. I got curious and watched, a guy out of nothing just appeared in files room about 2 am. He went to the center of this room and started to laugh compulsively, and left the room through. Then the penitentiary director asked me what was wrong. I pointed the security was compromised. If an inmate was able to invade that room so easy, he could walk freely inside the penitentiary. Also, I observed the guy was probably paranoid due crack use. But apparently those were minor problems in the video. The director observed then, the invader appeared in camera from the right. But there's no door in the right wall of this room, the alarm of this room did not ring, the guy caught on video was known by the penitentiary staff. It was a convicted who was beheaded during the last riot then the director showed me the file of the invader. All traces matched with the guy on video, including tattoos. It was that guy, who was slaughtered during the last riot, no doubt at all. Several years ago, I took a 911 call for a family reporting their teenage daughter was possessed. They claimed no possibility of drugs or a history of mental health issues, which I, of course, didn't believe for a second. Family members were holding her down and I could hear two people screaming at each other in the background. I asked the caller to tell whoever was yelling at her to stop. The caller said, it's her. I responded that I knew it was her but whoever was yelling at her at the same time to stop. The caller again said it's her. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Both voices. I kid you not, it was the creepiest thing I have ever heard. I have been doing this for 25 years and have heard many things, I know of man's inhumanity and the horrible things people do to each other, but this, this was a different kind of evil. I was clearly hearing a young girl screaming at the same time an adult male was yelling back. I couldn't understand either language but they were clearly two different voices. The family swore both voices were coming from her, at the same time. It made my skin crawl. The lieutenant listened to the tape later and he looked at me and said do you ever wonder? Yes. Yes, I do. 
I've seen a lot of things in my career, things that would make a citizen doubt my sanity. From being dispatched to chase a UFO to responding to calls of ghosts. But the most unusual thing that happened to me was witnessed by several officers and a dispatcher. One evening I had brought in a guy for domestic violence and as he was a bit rowdy I was joined in booking by the sergeant and another patrolman. I'm in the process of booking Mr. Tough Guy when I glanced into cell Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Number one. There was a guy in there, short haircut, glasses, and a white t-shirt just staring at us. I ignored him because I didn't want him to start banging on the window demanding a phone call or something. So I finish the booking process and escort Mr. Tough Guy to his cell, walking past cell 1. The guy in the cell just stood there never saying a word or moving. We all then leave booking and go about our business. Sometime later Sergeant asks me to check the paperwork for the prisoners to see if any were ready to transport to the county jail. I grab the paperwork and go into booking to do a headcount. Cell 1 is empty. I panic and tell the sergeant who also panics and he and I begin to make phone calls to the detectives to see if they had moved the guy or had released him. They all say they didn't go into booking at all. 
I then checked the computer and paperwork again and the headcount was accurate, no one had been placed in cell 1. We go to the dispatch office to check the surveillance video for booking. We rewind the footage to where I can be seen booking my prisoner. We fast forward to the point in the video where we all walk out. As soon as we walk past the door the guy in number 1 blinks out of existence. We were all freaked out by the occurrence believe you me. When we tried to transfer the video to a DVD and USB drive the guy in the cell did not appear. We still hear and see stuff every now and then and prisoners in the detox tank can be seen talking to someone in the direction of cell 1 even though it appears empty. To this day I'm wary of going into booking alone. Passing on two stories my father shared with me. He was a sheriff's officer for nearly 20 years, started as deputy, then joined K-9, worked his way up to master trainer and commander of the K-9 unit, joined SWAT and worked his way up to team commander, and eventuality was promoted to bureau chief before retiring due to chronic pain caused by a bullet breaking his back and almost dying 15 years earlier, 18 days before I was born when he and his K-9 partner were pursuing an armed robber and his German Shepherd overshot the scent trail and they were ambushed. Story 1. He was working graveyard, driving by a cemetery-slash-funeral home during a torrential rainstorm at around 2 a.m. In his headlights appears a woman wearing a long white dress. She's walking along the side of the road. He stops, asks if she needs a ride, she says yes and he drives her about 20 miles to what she said was her parents' house. Not a single light is on in or outside, so he keeps his headlights shining on her front porch so she can see her way to the door. The woman walks up to the front steps to the door and just stands there she doesn't knock, look for a key, or try the doorknob. The situation had him creeped out the entire time, so after a couple minutes of her standing motionless at the door, he gets a call to respond to. He honks and pulls away, never once seeing her move. A few days later, before sunset, he returned to the house to find it completely abandoned with no record of habitation for over a year. Story 2. Several months later, he gets a call to respond to the same funeral home where the woman was walking by. The call is for a burglary in progress. He arrives, and the lady that owns the funeral home greets him in a panic saying someone broke into the lower level where they prepare bodies for burial and they are still down there making a lot of noise like they're tossing things around and breaking things. He goes downstairs with his gun drawn and mag light in his other hand, fully expecting to find some weirdo that likes breaking into funeral homes. What he finds is a clean, spotless embalming room with nothing out of place and no sign of a break-in. He clears the entire basement and finds just one thing out of the ordinary the telephone is off the hook with the earpiece sitting right next to it making the rapid beeping sound landlines make when they're left off the hook. He hangs it up, goes back upstairs to the awaiting lady and tells her there's no sign of break-in and nothing has been broken or tossed around. The lady is even more terrified now, insisting somebody is downstairs. He tells her to call dispatch again if she has there's anything else and he or another deputy will be there within 10 minutes. He said he was scared out of his mind the entire time, especially when he found the phone off the hook, 
which he didn't mention to her because she was even more terrified than he was. Answered a welfare check call one night late, between 2.30 to 3 on an elderly woman who lived next door to the caller and had not been seen for some time. This night we were having a bad thunderstorm without the rain. I get to the complainant's house to speak to her first, wondering why she called at this time. She tells me the lady next door is in her 90s, lives alone and she has not seen her in weeks. She explained that she has called, went over and knocked on her door but the lady will not answer. I start thinking she is probably deceased and has been for some time. The car has a 3-inch layer of dust on it, the mail is piling up and no lights are on. First I walk to the side door and knock on the door with my flashlight, knocking loud enough an elderly person with some hearing should hear it. After a few minutes of no response, I turn around and walk to the backyard looking at the windows and find everything okay. The complainant is with me and is saying she doesn't know of any relatives of the lady. I'm sure by now that she is probably deceased. I walk to the front of the house and notice that her blinds are up on the front windows and I can see a glow from inside. I am however not tall enough to look into the windows which are probably 7 feet off the ground. The complainant runs next door and grabs a bucket for me to stand on. I get on the bucket and bingo I can see the living room. The glow was from the TV which was on a blue screen and is bright enough I didn't need my flashlight to see in. I looked first at the floor to make sure she had not fallen there, couch, recliner, everything was empty. The telephone home base was blinking red with the missed calls and voicemails. From the living room was a hallway that was dark and I couldn't see down. Using my flashlight I could only see an open door down the hall. Still no signs of life. I turned around and told the complainant that everything looked okay and nothing was disturbed. I turned back around and an elderly woman is looking back at me with her face right up next to the glass. I couldn't breathe, it felt as if I had been hit in the chest by a bat. I fell backward and off of the bucket. I hit the ground hard and the complainant rushed to me. I pushed her off as she was trying to help me up and I ran back up on the bucket. My heart was pounding but I had to see. Instinct had my hand on my gun the other was up on the window. I looked back inside and saw a frail elderly woman standing in the hallway wearing a long nightgown with her back to me. She turned her head to the side and looked at me out of the corner of her eye and slowly walked out of view and down the dark hallway. That unnerved me. I got down and looked at the complainant who was standing there with a puzzled look on her face. All I could say was I saw her. By now the wind had picked up and it began to rain. I began to walk back to my car by the road and I turned back to the complainant and said, don't come back here. I got into the car and drove to the PD. I never found out about the lady who lived there, the complainant didn't call back and the house now has different tenants inside. Some things are better left alone. Working in border towns, there's a lot of highways and ranches. And at night it gets dark. I'm talking about that type of darkness where you can't see your hand in front of your face. Think of the picture below, but add a little more darkness. 
So one night I'm driving along the highway and the only light source is the one coming from my high beam so I don't mistakenly run over any animals. About 150 meters in front of me, I see a man run across the highway and jump into the ranch. Next, I pull over to the area that I last seen the man and turn on my flashlight to scan the area. While looking, all that I was thinking was it smelled horrible like something had died. I brushed it off as normal because there's all types of wildlife and things do die. After about 5 minutes of scanning, I had seen the man laying down with his hoodie covering his head hiding behind some bushes. I identify myself as law enforcement and command him in English and Spanish to stand up because I see him and doesn't budge an inch. I get a little closer to the man and grab his shoulder and turn him around that's when I jumped and gasped in disbelief because the man was deceased. When the coroner arrived, they said the man had been dead for at least a day or two, so it was no way possible that he had died when I had seen him cross the road. This ultimately led me to just believe that the man's spirit wanted us to find his body and he did. Over 20 years ago I took an alarm call at the old PTA building across the street from a courthouse in Austin, Texas. The alarm had already gone quiet when I showed up with a senior officer. We found an unsecured door slightly open on the east side, so he posted me there while he finished the perimeter and other officers arrived. I was staring right at the door when the alarm activated again and the door slammed shut in my face, loudly. The senior officer ran back to my position and asked why I closed the door. I told him I didn't. We called for K-9 and the dog arrived shortly. I went in with K-9 to clear the building. We found nothing, but the entire time the dog was acting very hinky like someone was in the building but he wasn't picking up a scent. We secured the building and a keyholder showed up. He said, well you know the place is haunted, right? There was a secretary who worked there for about 30 years and after she died, she keeps showing up for work. Papers fly off the desks, doors close, sightings, the works. We both told the keyholder the next alarm call there was all his. I was working at a college that claims to be haunted. My partner and I didn't believe any of it. We go into Clark Hall which has classrooms and start propping doors open with desks. This is around 0200 hours. We already walked through and made sure the building was empty. Only two stairwells donut wasn't hard to do. We are on the third floor. I finished my door and wedged a desk in between the door and the frame. When I finish I shake it to make sure it's in there pretty secure. I go over to help my buddy with his door when behind me the door I was working on opens up and the chair desk combo flings across the room and the door slams. He takes off running jumping landing to landing. I still don't think he's ever gone in that building again. Call to a burglary in progress, daytime. The owner was in the kitchen and heard someone run upstairs to the third floor, old house and wooden stairs. Set up a perimeter around the house. I came up with K9. Just as I gave K-9 warning a perimeter officer saw a hand pull a curtain back on the top floor and relayed the info to me. Thinking surely we would be making an apprehension with K-9, sent my partner in. 
Long story short, nobody was found. Officer was 100% certain he saw what he saw. The homeowner was confident he heard the running up of 12 steps. A couple of years back I was patrolling around 3 to 4. I drive by a small airport in my jurisdiction that is in the middle of the woods which has several hangars and one main office building. I drive by it a few times a night, as it has been burglarized in the past. On this particular night, I'm driving by and hear an audible alarm sounding from inside. I was not dispatched and did not receive any other calls about it. I call it in and walk up to the building which is completely dark and not occupied. Every point of entry is secure so I am now waiting on the key holder to let me in to clear the inside. I figure a loose door, the wind, etc. trip the alarm. The key holder comes out with his wife in a couple of minutes and they open up the door for me. I clear the entire office, a garage, etc. and nothing is disturbed. The key holder is confused as the alarm is not a motion alarm nor an alarm system. The keyholder explains to me that the alarm is coming from a cash register that was opened inside of the office. The cash register could only be opened by pressing a hidden button, which I'll say was extremely well hidden without going into too much detail. The only people who knew where the button was located was he, his wife and his deceased father. He told me the cash register closes and locks and without pressing this button, it couldn't possibly open. It was not an oversight neither, as I had driven by several hours before and heard nothing. The money was not disturbed, however, the register was all the way opened. The keyholder smiled and told me that his father had created and owned the airport before he passed away and that airplanes in this place, in particular, were his passion and life's work. The keyholder told me that he believes his father does things like that to bring his family to the airport just to say hello and make his presence known. I don't have any other explanation for it. I was the sergeant working overtime graveyard at a now demolished sub. It was my lunch break and I heard someone open the door at the other end of the sub and heard footsteps. I had the light off in my office because the hall lights more than lit it up. I saw someone in the door and when I turned to look, it was a shadow figure standing in the doorway as if to say hi sergeant. It wasn't something I saw out of the corner of my eye and it was there for a couple of seconds and then went on towards the lieutenant's office. Later when I asked the guys if they have ever experienced anything strange at the sub, they responded that's why we don't come back until the sun comes up. I found out about other experiences that others had and it was similar. I'm still a skeptic, but I can't explain what I saw. I was working at our jail and while doing my watch tour I was heading into medical and heard two people having a conversation and thought it was two inmates in a cell talking. I went to the first cell and no names on the door so I didn't look in. I went to the next door and had one name on it. I opened the hatch to look in and there was a guy in there. I didn't say anything at first to him and as in closing his hatch, he asked me if I could move his neighbors over because he was alone and would like some company. I then went over to the previous door and checked in the window just in case someone didn't put the names on the door. 
I looked in and nobody was in the cell. I went back to the guy in the other cell and asked him if he had heard people talking and he stated yes they had been talking a lot. I informed him that there was nobody next door and got out of there. Work security in a med center after retirement. Opened the place one morning at 5. As I passed an alcove, for an instant saw a boy about 9 years old, barn hair, striped shirt sitting on a bench then he was gone. Anyway out of embarrassment I never told a soul about it. I had 8 retired detectives working for me and one day I was having a conversation with one of them. Very sheepishly he asked me if I ever saw anything strange in the place when I opened in the morning. When I asked him why he said that he saw a young boy wearing a striped shirt sitting on a bench then he was gone. The same location where I saw the kid. Other things that happened were coffee pots being knocked over and footsteps late at night when closing. Later found out that the med center was located adjacent to the most haunted cemetery on Staten Island. I work on county roads and I had a signal 100 at 3 and my closest bathroom was 30 minutes out. So, I pulled down a dark gravel road and started my business. I felt like someone was watching me. Looking toward the rear bumper of my unit and approximately 20 feet beyond my rear bumper I saw a shadowy figure standing there. I stop and zip up, not finished, and yell out to what I thought was a person. I got no reply from the figure. I start to apologize to the figure, thinking this was the landowner coming to see who was peeing on their driveway, but no response. I then go into tack mode and demand them to show their hands and identify themselves. But no answer. I finally get smart and use my light to see who it was and as light passes over the area the figure was gone. Keep in mind this conversation was about 20 seconds long and I just saw something there. I look around and I hear no running through the brush. I turn to get make into my unit and I take one more look back and see a shadowy figure move towards me from where I last saw it. Needless to say, I got in my unit and sped off because bullets were not going to stop this spirit. The jail had a notorious ghost, Sarah Ware, who would play with the lights and set off alarms. Most of the alarms are panic alarms in locked offices where switches actually had to be pushed and slid into a slot to activate. It got to the point where the officers were afraid to go into the courthouse for an alarm. One year our department started receiving complaints of headstones being knocked over in the city cemetery, around Halloween. The chief advised us on the midnight shift to spend our extra time around the cemetery to catch the persons causing damage. Me being sneaky, I found a good hidden observation point about a block away. There were two major well-lit streets providing fair lighting in the cemetery. For several nights I would from time to time stop and check the cemetery with my binoculars and only patrol the cemetery at the start and end of my shift, as usual. One time checking the cemetery I spotted something that looked like a cat walking on its hind legs. I watched it walk approximately 10 feet between headstones and lost sight of it. 
I rushed over to the area in my patrol car turning on my spotlight, alley lights and takedown lights. Couldn't find a thing but a track through the dew on the grass that dead ended at a headstone. To this day I can remember how it moved and its outline in my binoculars. Creepy. I'm an avid hunter and I've done plenty of hunting at night. I am very familiar with all the animals in my neck of the woods and I have never seen anything like it. Several years back, my partner and I were looking for a kidnapping suspect in some abandoned houses. Around 3 we go to check a house in a very rural and remote part of the county. The house is extremely large and creepy looking. We make entry and find the inside of this house is like something out of Tim Burton's nightmare. There are walls going halfway up and stopping. There were doorways barely big enough to stick your head through and opening up into massive empty rooms. Every time we thought we'd made it to the top floor, we'd find another staircase leading up. Finally, we make it to the attic and find all kinds of crazy stuff drawn on the walls. Needless to say, we finished clearing the house and got out of there. I responded to a suicide as the co-lead detective. A male had hung himself in the tree in the backyard. We checked the residence and it was locked with a deadbolt thrown on both entry slash egress doors. I called for entry tools and a supervisor for a breach because the decedent's girlfriend was not accounted for and they lived together, possible murder slash suicide. Several patrol officers and I were standing at the back door of the house, south side, which had been checked multiple times waiting on entry tools. I look at the door and there's a gap in the frame and see there's no deadbolt thrown anymore. I check the door and it's now open. We clear the residence and no one is inside. I even had them clear the attic space. Inside the door that magically opened were multiple notes to family members from the decedent. We all walk outside and are waiting on knock to arrive and try to walk back in. The door is secured again with a deadbolt. It should be noted no one had keys and there were key locks on both sides of the door. The lead and I were now discussing how we were gonna have to call for entry tools and again the door was open. No one going near it. I again had the residence cleared and no one inside. The lead detective and I did not go back into that house that day. Calls for service coming from a vacant household twice a night for about a week. The voice on the phone sounded like an elderly atrisk lady with Alzheimer's barely audibly saying please help. Please help. With coughing. Totally unresponsive to our calls. Confirmed with my shift sergeant that the house's last resident was a daughter taking care of her mother who was dying from stage 2 lung cancer. Definitely sent a shiver down my back. One cold winter night around 3 I was parked in the dark doing paper behind a Kmart. Suddenly someone or something banged on my driver's side window 2 to 3 times, obviously scaring the hell out of me, but it happens. Except there was nobody there. Business wall 8 to 15 to my right, 10 solid fence to my left, and 100 open space front and back. 
Nothing but my own tire tracks and the blanket of fresh snow and no marks on my window or ground indicating a snowball or such. I even got down in the snow and looked under my car. Still a bit anxious whenever I drive back there. One of our regular callers was a lady. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. ...in her 80s. When she wouldn't take her medicine, she would hallucinate and see children in her house and she would call us to report that children were moving her belongings around, making noise, etc. I've been to her house several times for these calls but on one occasion I was talking to her in the dining room of her home and she was getting aggravated because she could see the children but I couldn't. She looked at me with a concerned voice and loudly said, you can't see him? He's been staring at you for 10 minutes now and grinning. While saying this she was pointing to a spot about 5 feet from me. I know it was only a hallucination but the way she spoke about it with such concern was extremely creepy. I was working receiving and release when we had an inmate released to a state mental hospital. When he was given his release clothing he looked toward me with a thousand yard stare and said, why don't you just do it? I asked what he meant, with zero inflection and staring right through me, he said, I know why you're here. Kill me already and get it over with. There was no one else in the holding tank, however, I looked over my shoulder to make sure no one had entered. No one had. When I placed him in handcuffs he suddenly focused on me as though just noticing I was there. He said to me, he's going to kill me, don't let them take me. He survived the transport but it was definitely creepy. I was a new cop and my field training officer and I were on a residential street in the middle of the night. We found a car positioned perpendicular to the road, and the driver seemed to be trying to get turned around but just kept moving back and forth. 
We contacted the driver who was a female in her early 20s. She was lucid and coherent. She asked me how to get to a nearby neighborhood called Joaquin Murrieta, but she was being somewhat evasive in her answers to my questions. Eventually, she reluctantly told me her family was being held hostage and the only way she could get them released would be to complete missions for the CIA. I figured she was on drugs or just crazy. My field training officer was a digital rectal exam and he determined she wasn't on drugs. Okay, so she's just crazy. Then she told me she had a device in the car, which was like a handle with an arrow on the top of it. She said if she held the device, the arrow would glow when it was pointed in the direction she was supposed to go to continue her mission. I asked if I could examine the device and she said sure. I decided to humor her and held the device out while slowly turning in a circle. To my shock, the arrow suddenly brightened when it was pointed toward the Joaquin Murrieta neighborhood, and only when it was pointed in that direction. She had an expression on her face like, see? I told you so. I had never seen a device like that before or since. My field training officer was freaked out, and he told me she's not committing any crime so let's get out of here. So we left. To this day, I have no idea what was actually happening there. I was a patrol deputy in a small Texas panhandle town in the 1990s. One winter night after a good, solid snowfall I was down the alley behind the business district checking for open doors, when I saw a woman at the far end of the alley, about a block away, standing in the middle of the alley, looking my direction. White female, long dark hair, wearing a long black evening dress, but no coat gloves or anything like that. It was after midnight, achingly cold, so I called, Miss, are you okay? She looked at me, then turned and stepped into what I knew was a recessed area behind one of the stores, so I got back into the cruiser and drove down there, expecting to find the dock door open and the kids of the owners hanging out. The dock doors weren't open. None of the doors were open, and the only thing in that little recessed area was a black cat sitting on the gas meter. As I grabbed the flashlight and started looking around, figuring I was about to find an intoxicated girl passed out in a snowdrift, the cat hopped off the meter, rubbed against my leg and wandered off down the alley. Then I realized that not only was there not anyone passed out in the snow, my footprints were the only ones in the fresh snow. And when I say my tracks were the only ones in the snow, the cat didn't leave prints either. And I wasn't new to the tracking game, I'd tracked children across dry caliche before that. I got back into the cruiser and hightailed it back to the office, told the dispatcher about it, and she said, oh, her. She's been showing up for about 20 years or so. No one has a clue who she is. You see the cat, too? I hadn't said anything about the cat. Freaked me the hell out. As a deputy sheriff, I was working in a rural town approx 20 minutes from the main city in my county. At approx 0130 hours, I was dispatched to a traffic accident in a canal. I arrived on scene with CHP to find an overturned vehicle in an empty canal. No driver or passengers in sight. At first, 
We figured the driver left the scene after the TA. But, after getting a closer look, the canal floor was muddy and there were no foot impressions leaving the vehicle. We lit up the canal and took a side and started walking down the canal to see if anyone had been ejected. We were about to give up when I stopped and looked over to the CHP officer on the opposite side of the canal. I asked if maybe the body was under the car. My flashlight was angled down into the canal and caught the bottom of two shoe soles with the body of a man covered in mud. I wouldn't have seen him if it weren't for his clean soles. Being a sheriff coroner, I set out to notify his next of kin. I found an old address for the man and approximately 330 hours I found a cluster of trailers at the address. None of the trailers had address numbers. I walked around looking for address numbers or maybe a car I could run to get an idea of what trailer he may have lived in. I found a car with paper plates next to a trailer. I went to the side and attempted to run the VIN when I heard I've been waiting for you. Startled, I turned around and shined my light onto the porch. An elderly Hispanic woman was sitting in a rocking chair in the total darkness of the porch. I'm sorry, I'm looking for, I said. She replied without emotion, I know, my son died about two hours ago. I confirmed her son's name and asked if there was anyone with him. She said no, he was alone. He went to a party and had too much to drink. I asked how she knew he passed and she responded at one, he came to me while I was sleeping to say goodbye and he was sorry. He told me a young cop found him and would be visiting me soon. So I got up and sat on the porch to wait for you. I told her that I was sorry for her loss and left. I tell this story all the time and the hair on my arms stand up every time. While working as a deputy sheriff in Baltimore City in the 1990s, I was in the old federal courthouse. Anyone familiar with Baltimore City knows there is the old circuit court building and the old federal court building, the one Spiro T. Agnew was put on trial in. On a break, I was standing in the hallway between the courtroom and the jury room. There were a few people there, including the state's attorney, waiting for court to resume, when the jury room door, which is a large, solid door, just like in the movies, opened slowly wide enough for someone to walk out, but there was no one there and then slammed shut. I went over and the door was locked. Keep in mind that this was a heavy door and there were no open windows for a breeze to blow and nor was anyone present in the room at the time. Very strange. One night quite a few years back, while working a medium-sized county as a road deputy, I had a reserve officer riding with me on the night shift. We were just outside of the largest city in the county near an old air base. We had stopped to stretch our legs and take a nature break. It was around 3 am, plenty dark away from town and a beautiful clear and mild night. As we were talking and looking up at the night sky something caught my eye. Due west there was a bright white light of good size that appeared to be, from my angle of view, maybe 200 yards above the treetops and several miles away. What caught my eye was it was changing colors. I know at night stars appear to be flickering different colors at times, especially if you are staring at them, but this was not a flicker. 
This object was slowly changing colors. White at first, then it faded into a bright red and stayed that color for about two minutes. It then faded into blue, again for about two minutes. This went on for about 10 minutes as we watched it. So it was no plane, their marker light flash. Well after about 15 minutes it started to move, slow at first, side to side, then up and down. This was very noticeable as it moved quite a ways, you could tell by using the stars in the background for reference. It moved this way for a little bit, then stopped and did a loop, or a circle then went back stationary. I got a call from one of the city officers who asked me to meet him at a farm implement place there at the edge of town. I asked the reserve to kinda keep an eye on the object if he could. When I arrived at the place we were to meet the other officer, a sergeant, was parked facing the road and that put me pulling up beside him, me facing due west. He wanted to check if I had my paperwork on an arrest that I had assisted him with. As we were talking I was looking up and watching the object, it was still doing what it had been doing. The sergeant had noticed that I seemed to be preoccupied, he said in a fairly loud and commanding voice, will you please stop watching that, that thing, whatever it is. I asked him how did he know what I was watching. He said he had been watching that damn thing for about an hour, off and on, and it was creeping him out. Suddenly I shouted, damn, here it comes. The sergeant put his patrol car in gear and tore out of there like his tail was on fire. The reserve and I had a great laugh out of that for about 10 minutes then and over the years. About the time we had settled I went back to checking our light and while I was watching, it appeared to just move up rather quickly, about a couple hundred yards and then as if turning away from us it was gone. Now, the strange part was here just about five or six years ago a gentleman contacted me saying he was a UFO investigator and asked if we could meet. I asked, why? He said that he had information that I had reportedly seen a possible UFO some years ago. He stated the approximate date, time and location. I asked how he knew this. He said that he was looking into that sighting in that area and happened to speak with a dispatcher who said she remember me talking about something around that time. I asked for his name, if and who he was working for, and a phone number, which he gave with no problem. I told him I would get back to him within 24 hours. He said okay. I made contact with that dispatcher, she still worked at the sheriff's office where I had worked the time with her. She confirmed his story. I did an internet search of him and the organization he said he was doing the research for which he was a freelancer. On the website, I read a couple of his reports slash stories and even saw a picture of him. I called him the next day and we set a date to meet, in a public place of course. Well, I told him my story and asked why the interest now. He said that a man had finally reported what he had seen near his place about a UFO. He also said that a couple of neighbors had also given him statements about it, and that he had stopped by the local sheriff's office to see if anyone else might have reported it and that's how he came to talk to the dispatcher I had worked with and she had given him my name. He explained that a law enforcement officer gave the sighting a little more credibility and in turn the others seeing it gave me more credibility. At the time of the incident, I didn't think a whole lot about it, but for some reason, this kinda shook me up a little bit.
My partner and I were patrolling the old Victorian area of downtown Los Angeles around Mateo Street, when all of a sudden there was a security guard screaming in fear. The security guard was so afraid, sweating profusely and crying. The man jumped in front of our squad car. We almost hit him. I asked him to relax and to tell me what happened. The security guard said, do you see that warehouse across the street there? I said, where? He said, the one with the rusty tin roof right over there. I answered him saying, yes, I see it. He said, well, I was doing my rounds inside the warehouse and I saw the ghost of an old woman in a dress standing in the air four feet off the floor. She pointed her index finger to me and said, if you are here one more minute, I will kill you. Her eyes were glowing red and her hair was moving in the air like there was wind inside of the warehouse. At that point I stopped what I was doing and ran for my life out of that warehouse. I asked my partner if he thought that was a mental case, he said that he did not know. We decided to ask the guard for his supervisor number and gave him a call. The supervisor agreed to meet us. Once he arrived, he stepped away from his pickup truck and walked to us. The guard was across the street waiting. I explained to the supervisor the situation and asked him if there was a possibility that his worker was hallucinating or if he had a history of mental illness. He laughed and said, no, no. Officer, you don't understand. Of the seven workers that we sent to work in that warehouse, all seven have seen the ghost of a witch to the point that four of them asked to be relocated to a different post and the remaining three have resigned because they refuse to work there again. I asked my partner, do you feel like taking a peek there? He said, hell no. Back in 92, my dad was working the first district central here in Chicago, which includes Chinatown. It was a little while before dawn in late summer, and still dark out. My dad was driving around near Chinatown with his new partner, Gus. They were cruising down Cermak and a call came over the radio about a potential suicide jumper. So dad and Gus wheeled over to the address, first on the scene. They saw an Asian woman standing atop the roof of an apartment building, about six stories high, with a bunch of old maples in front. She was stock still, just standing there staring, in a blue bathrobe, though it was freezing out. So my dad is calling things like don't jump. And all that stuff. Gus hurried inside to see if he could get access to the roof. As my dad watched, she raised one foot slightly and let herself fall forward, as my dad said, like chopped tree falling. He scuttled back quickly so she wouldn't fall on him and the tree branches obscured his view of the roof. But she never hit the ground. Nor was she trapped in any of the tree branches. When the fire department arrived, that was the first place they looked. When the other cops arrived, they were dumbfounded too. My dad had a couple theories, but he wasn't too convinced about any of them. One theory. She panicked at the last second and somehow managed to stop herself from falling off. She pulled herself back, hurried like hell down, and slipped away before anyone saw her. Problem being, there was no roof access from inside. She would have had to climb onto a ledge and shimmy down one of the corner drain pipes in a bathrobe while avoiding detection. Not very likely. Two theory. 
Same as above, but she climbed back through her apartment window instead of shimmying down the drainpipe. Trouble is, they talked to every one of the people who lived in that building, and none of them matched her description. None of the Asian women residents of that building seemed distressed. Third theory. Same as above, but someone's husband, mother, brother, etc., was concealing her inside the apartment. Under the bed or in the closet, maybe. So she wouldn't get hauled off to the mental hospital for attempting suicide. Challenge being again nobody they talked to seemed distressed or scared. They were a little disturbed by someone attempting suicide on the roof of their building, but nobody as far as the cops could tell overly anxious or behaving suspiciously. Fourth theory. Same as one, but the woman took a daring flying leap off the side of the roof, fell about 20 feet, and landed on the roof of the house next door. Somehow managing to not break any bones, and then making her escape before anyone saw or heard her. Which could theoretically happen, if one was extremely lucky. You'd think landing on a roof would make a loud thump, and anyone inside would hear it, but not if they were deeply asleep. The other weird part? The original 911 call came from some guy at a nearby payphone. But he never gave his name or address, and he didn't return to the scene. He just told dispatch about a woman standing on the edge of the roof, gave the street and general area, and hung up. Nobody ever saw or heard from him again. So, one of those above scenarios had to be true. Or the woman was a ghost and just vanished. You decide. As long as he lived, my dad never came up with an explanation that settled the case for him. Not definitively. Years ago took a call for a young woman who had stepped in front of a train and committed suicide. When I arrived on scene she had been thrown forward exactly 100 feet from point of impact and had landed still near the tracks. Her body looked perfectly intact, she was a wearing a pure white dress and she had no visible sign of trauma at first glance. What I saw next had no explanation, her heart was lying right next to her body and looked like it was surgically removed. All four arteries were cleanly cut equidistant from the heart. The opening in her chest was barely visible. Other than that, you would never know a 70 miles per hour train had just hit her. I later learned that she had suffered from depression since childhood and she had planned her death, drinking a six-pack to get up the courage. She left behind several young children and an abusive husband but was loved by everyone like an angel. I took what happened with the way she was dressed in all white like an angel as an omen, and she died of a broken heart, broke everyone's heart actually. I responded to a call with another unit in a fairly new neighborhood. The call was sketchy and vague and classified as a disturbing the peace call. Upon arrival the other officer and I knocked on the door which was answered by a slightly sheepish guy in his early 30s. He was well dressed with a conservative haircut. He said he was having problem with hearing voices in his house. Our initial feeling was this was a normal person who was not experiencing any kind of mental breakdown. So our next step was to investigate where the voices might be coming from. His house was not connected to his neighbor's houses, 
and there was no obvious problems with loud radios, TVs, or other outside influences. The guy was very thoughtful and open to any suggestions we made for explaining the voices, but we were stumped. We asked him if he heard the voices now and he said no. He added that the voices were not always there and had stopped just after he called on this occasion. He said they started soon after he moved in and at first assumed they were from loud neighbors. After he continued to hear them at odd hours and times when neighbors were not home, he became worried. He admitted that he didn't think the police could help, but he had no one else to call. After we felt we had investigated every source we could we had to tell him, we couldn't help. We actually felt bad because we didn't have any solution to offer him. As the other officer and I walked back to our cars we just looked at each other as if to say, that was spooky. A few months later I drove through the neighborhood and noted a sold sign on his front lawn. I guess he found a solution on his own. We were doing a foot search for a burglar in a 600-unit townhome complex. The townhomes all looked the same. Same architecture, color, kind of a faded yellow color, and trim. It was nighttime, but we had some light from streetlights, lights from windows, porch lights, security lights and our flashlights. As we were walking along between a row of townhomes, I saw that one townhome had been painted much darker than all the rest. That caught my eye. But as I was searching the bushes near that unit, something else attracted my eye. The paint seemed to be changing very slightly. It was still a dark color, but it just seemed like something was off. I lit up the wall. Every inch too was covered in thumb-sized cockroaches. I jumped back and probably said something like, shit because the deputies I was with came over to see what was going on. When they saw the wall, they all jumped back too. They weren't all over the row of town homes. They were just on that one unit. The adjacent units were the usual pale yellow. There was a clean boundary between the roaches and the adjacent units, just like if the unit had been painted with roaches. That was weird. Never saw it again. My 30 years of law enforcement experience was as a sheriff in large metropolitan jail. One of my unexamable events was when I was a sergeant supervising the medical unit at the jail. A deputy called me over to this inmate's cell. Sarge you better take a look at this I walked to the cell and observed a naked mentally ill inmate in a floor flush cell. The inmate had refused to take his prescribed medication and had decompensated mentally to the point where he was speaking in tongues while smearing his own feces on his body and the cell walls. The inmate was rolling his eyes and putting his entire right hand into his anus. I called the psychiatric doctor on duty to the cell. The doctor observed the inmate and tried to talk to the inmate through the closed door. The inmate stopped. Realizing he was being watched laughed heavily and angrily and somehow scaled the cinderblock wall on the west side of the cell and put his feces hand prints on the ceiling of the cell, jumped down and began sticking both of his hands in his anus, while yelling incoherently at us in a language I have never heard before. The ceiling of the cell is 12 feet high. The deputy and I looked at the doctor for an explanation of how did the inmate just scale a 12-foot-high cinderblock wall and put his feces handprints on the ceiling. 
The shocked doctor looked at us sheepishly and said, well there's something you don't see every day. We ended up extracting the inmate with an extraction team using force as he violently fought us. The doctor administered an involuntary injection of medication to the inmate as we held him down. I say this incident was paranormal because from my perspective the individual was possessed. The inmate was released from our custody to the Metropolitan Hospital on a 72-hour mental health hold about two hours later after being sentenced to time served for his misdemeanor offense. The inmate was adjudicated without ever stepping in the courtroom. The psychiatric doctor had called the judge immediately after the incident. The inmate had been arrested three days prior for trespass and had been too psychotic to be escorted to court. I'm a police officer. There was a disturbance call to a government high-rise housing project. Upon entering the apartment I observed an elderly lady of color probably 70s on all fours on her table she was braying like a donkey she toured her head and started speaking in Latin. I walked back out shut the door and called for EMS. I refused to go back inside or deal with her any further. EMS transported her to the local hospital. After that I gathered some information from her older neighbors. They told me she had the devil in her I asked if she had a Catholic background which would explain the Latin language and was told no by people who knew her and attended church with her. I never followed up or heard anything else in relation to the run and don't want to. The second was a call from a security officer to the front desk of another government apartment building. He had someone who had entered his building with no ID. They were pale white and it was late at night and they had visible puncture marks on Thier neck they also didn't seem to fit into the neighborhood it wasn't a goth kid hangout in fact no one like that would be safe anywhere around the area and it wasn't Halloween or close to it. I had the security officer allow the person to sign in with no ID and go up. Upon investigation the apartment they signed into wasn't a real number and CCTV wasn't working correctly for a review. Also no one matching that description was ever reported seen again. Those are my X-Files experiences from my career.